Welcome back to Base Layer. This is David, and this is your new episode, and it's a really good one. It's with Catherine Coley, the CEO of Binance US. It's a great conversation. We get to talk with Catherine about her switch from traditional finance to digital assets. She used to work as a trader in FX on some of the more notable banks out there. And we talked about some of the carnage seen in traditional markets as it relates to digital assets and digital assets being up 10%, down 10% in any given period of time has become a bit normal. And as we've seen now with COVID-19 and with the oil issues with Russia and Saudi Arabia, we're seeing a lot of that come back into traditional finance. So we spend a good amount of time talking about that. But we also spend a lot of time about what Binance US is doing, how it is very important for uh, family offices and other institutional investors to take a look at. And then we also spend a lot of time talking about International Women's Month and the role that she plays as a CEO, a woman CEO, and how important that is, and how important that is to get other women, especially in digital assets, into positions of strength like that. And hopefully this is a great conversation around that, about financial inclusion and why Binance US and the work they're doing there is really important. So remember, nothing on Baselayer is investment advice, and please do your own research. And on the flip side, you're going to hear a great conversation with Catherine Coley, the CEO of Binance US. Enjoy. This is David, and this is your new episode of Base Layer. I am really excited about this one. I say that a lot, but I really mean it this time, guys. Catherine Coley, the CEO of Binance US, is joining us today. Catherine has become a massive voice within digital assets and someone who has a tremendous amount of experience coming from traditional finance into crypto. Catherine, how are you? I'm doing great today. Thank you so much. So we're going to have a great conversation about a lot of things that Binance is doing. We're going to talk about how it is International Women's Month. And as a CEO and someone that I'm proud to know, I think it is great to talk about the inroads that women are making, especially in digital assets. But what we like to do on Base Layer is talk first and foremost about your past, about the guest's past. And again, there is this transition moment that people, especially in traditional finance like yourself, have made into this new world, this new asset class. So before we talk about that, tell us a little bit about what you did before. And then let's talk about that moment that you made that transition. Why did you make that transition? What about digital assets? What about the underpinning technology really resonated with you and kind of told you that this is a place where innovation was going to happen? Yes, the paths that got us here. I love it. Um, so my, my background and past really came from a fascination with the macro markets, um, the elements of whether it's current events, whether it's um, you know fundamentals in, in economies of what's driving things. And so that really led me to a path of foreign exchange in the traditional markets. So I started out at Morgan Stanley being an FX trader, learning how these largest money makers, whether they were hedge funds, pension funds, um, you know, CTAs, even family offices, understanding how they were uh, conceptualizing these macro events and and using them for um, gaining alpha. So that's really what drove me into these markets and uh, the compelling event that that said, let's move over from traditional assets into cryptocurrencies uh, was really just the equalizing force that let everyone have access to these markets. So. Mm -hmm. And as we saw, there was a tweet from Travis Kling today, as we saw a 50 basis point cut from the Fed, which 
to this point where we're recording right now hasn't really done too much. But there was an interesting note that he made. It was the same time around the time in 2008 when the Fed uh, obviously was doing as much liquidity as they could to keep the markets afloat that the white paper came about. When around the time did you actually start getting a notice that digital assets were around and they were going to be a thing? Yeah, it actually took us until about 2013 is when we started seeing some of our hedge fund managers that we were uh, covering dabble in it on their personal accounts. So um, just kind of putting it in the same kind of uh, bets that they were around fantasy football, they were putting in around Bitcoin and we were monitoring the price. Um, we saw kind of that rally up, um, you know, mid mid 2013 uh, that got people's attention. And then uh, right around the same time as Mt. Gox, uh, people kind of losing interest pretty quickly. Interesting. So from your experience on the floor, what kind of lessons could you derive from, you know, the U.S. digital asset market that, you know, you've learned, you know, from your time in Asia and the time that you're now spending here? What kind of lessons have you been able to kind of pick up that you can share with people? Yeah. One of the the things that I witnessed when I was in 2017, I was working at Ripple um, covering the liquidity for XRP at that time. And the comfort and awareness around volatility I had from my experience on the FX floors was something that I really, I I took with me into digital assets and digital assets even even helped um, grow that further. So think about the, the Bank of Japan intervention on Christmas Day, or even the Swiss peg breaking. Those were the largest um, most volatile moments in, in currency history that I was able to experience. Um, com- coming in with that comfort and, and awareness around chaos was something that I was able to translate into digital assets and go, okay, where there's volatility, there's actually calm and opportunity rather than panic and, and chaos. So right. being able to translate that, understanding a calculated risk, not just a, a, a real, you know, a, a blind risk, um, those were some of the things that I took from the traditional world and applied them into digital assets, which gave me a kind of a comfort and a peace and opportunity seeking when we saw these large moves that take place. Now, I wasn't expecting to see 61% moves, 41,000% moves. Um, you know, those are things that we didn't actually see in the FX markets. Um, but I, I do take those fundamentals and those principles around managing your own risk, understanding where volatility takes place, understanding what you need to be doing during those kind of quote unquote emergency moves. Um, and, that, and that really is something that I take as a, a peace of mind from the old world. The moves have been breathtaking last week. And I think a lot of people I've seen on Twitter over the last few hours, people said, oh, well, if you never saw 08, if you never saw some of the carnage that happened in the traditional markets, this is what it looks like. And so you've seen that. And so point taken that the traditional markets have had their fair share of carnage and it gives you perspective about the digital asset market, especially as it's just growing. It is so young still compared to the traditional markets. Absolutely. And that was even the criticism when I joined. I mean, I my first day on the trading floor was the U.S. downgrade. And I was already in a new world versus people that were used to um, early 90s markets. And so having that lack of comparison actually made us a different type of trader, a different risk profile. Mm-hmm. Um, we were only aware of a crisis state or, or kind of coming into the post-financial um, crisis arena, which made us just a different type of trader. You know, we, we, weren't, we weren't used to a comfortable lifestyle. We were always, always hunting and always kind of looking for um, areas where we could see those, those growth opportunities. And I think that's just like digital assets. We see yep. a, a different type of genre of a trader, um, one that's only aware of certain things. And we just have to take that as 
an evolution rather than a, a weakness. So let's talk about Binance US. Uh, for those listeners that may not be familiar with it, the family offices and the institutional investors who listen to the show, tell us a little bit about it. Pretend that we might not be crypto specific, we might be more crypto native, that we are just starting to learn about Bitcoin and some of the other digital assets out there and we're learning about this market. What is Binance US for those that are not familiar? Absolutely. Easiest way to describe Binance US, it is your access into these digital asset markets. So we are providing easy on-ramps with dollars through ACH, through debit cards, through bank wires into the arena that is digital assets. We have 30 plus pairs of, or 30 plus tokens available to trade, as well as pairs with BUSD, a staple coin, USD, your fiat currency, USDT, another stable coin, and even BTC pairs. So, so you have some crypto to crypto in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you get access to not only kind of what we'd call in the traditional world, the large caps, but also some of those uh, smaller caps or some of those altcoins. Um, so we really are providing a freedom of access into these markets with the lowest fees and uh, you know, ease, of, ease of on-ramp. So that's really our core. Love the terminology, you know, the large cap, the mid cap, the smid cap, and the small cap. I think it definitely does equate to those that are not familiar with what we deal with on a day-to-day basis in digital assets. I think a question a lot of people have asked me as it pertains to places, platforms like Binance, for the digital assets that are on there, what type of underwriting does does you and the team undergo for a new uh, token to come on? I think a lot of people are interested about this because there is a fair amount of underwriting and risk that goes into that. Absolutely. And I think just a good reminder as well, we we mentioned the large caps, the mid caps, et cetera. You can buy any portion of these that you choose. So just because they might have a larger value to them, you don't have to buy a full Bitcoin. Um, So that's just a clarification there. But um, when it comes to new listings, we go through a digital asset risk assessment framework that we've put out to be able to measure uh, our risk and comfort with listing something in the United States. So following U.S. regulation, um, outlining understanding on the Howey test, making sure that these we're not you know not offering securities, um, and then as well as just being sure that we're going to be preparing the U.S. market for something that has longevity, mm-hmm. has a community, has a purpose and a utility inside of the U.S. Um, for us to see the growth and benefit of having U.S. Uh, you know U.S. traders be able to access uh, this right. coin or token. So it's a really in-depth process. We run through it with our committee here, um, and, and we vet. Um, you know, we vet the teams, we vet the the projects themselves, how they were, you know, how they're capitalized, and how they're going to continue to be useful um, in the market. And I think that leads us to a nice kind of segue. We were going to talk about regulation and about how Binance US takes regulation so seriously. Tell us a little bit about the regulatory landscape as it relates to digital assets. Uh, Secretary Mnuchin just apparently had a sit down yesterday with people within the ecosystem. And obviously there has been conversations within the policymaker bodies and the state and local uh, levels. Tell us about what you know, you're seeing right now from the regulatory landscape. We've seen a ton of growth since when we initially saw the white paper come out. And even when we saw our first U.S. uh, rumblings of of digital asset marketplaces. So with that, you're able to see regulators now understanding what these businesses truly are, what the risks are, and also what they're going to be looking for that we, you know, demanding out of these businesses going forward. So when it comes to regulation, we've seen actually a a narrowing and, um, 
you know, clarity come from it, but as well, there's still those levels of uncertainty. So when it comes to the money transmitter licenses that are necessary for these businesses to get up and running, um, we're going through that process right now to be able to deliver our business to all, you know, all the states in the U.S. Currently, we're only serving 37. Um, but that process is one where our application isn't going to be the first time they're going to be seeing a digital asset marketplace. So that's a, that's a comforting, evolving, uh, you know, change that we're seeing now as time has passed. Right. Um, we're also seeing kind of the narrowing focus on what exactly do we need to be uh, scrutinizing? Is it, you know, rather than the blanket, let's make all of crypto a taboo. We're kind of going into a, a very kind of narrow understanding on certain things, criticizing or not even criticizing, but focusing in on staking. How is staking going to be uh, regulated in the U.S.? That's that's a huge improvement from just um, this, you know, broad stroke regulation that we saw earlier on. And so thinking of the landscape, aside from regulatory, we have seen an emergence of a much more mature ecosystem within digital assets over the last two years. 2019 was a pivotal year, in my opinion, and I think we're seeing that continuance into 2020. And so as Binance US, compared to some of the other US exchanges, what can you tell us about kind of the the special sauce or what really makes you guys, you know, in your opinion, the leader of the pack? Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting because most people, when, when you think or, or are identifying an app that's so easy to buy and sell crypto, it, you think immediately, you know, a retail use case. And I think that's one of the benefits that we have is our team is institutionally trained but catering towards a, a broader audience than just institutional investors. Therefore, we're making it convenient and easy to use. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting a lesser service. So we provide kind of the same quality that you would get at, at a you know, top-tier level firm with a great customer service, ease of use, understanding of a kind of a tiered market approach to the VIPs that we have. So the more you're trading, the more you can benefit um, from the application. Uh, and that aspect is very unique in in the U.S. market. Having a having a marketplace run by someone that has had experience on Wall Street serving clients at the top level. That's exactly what our team has been doing before and continues to do. So we 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 bring that element to the markets, and I think that's a you know some of our special sauce is that we've seen how it's run from from you know the largest bold bracket firms and are able to deliver that down to the individual level now. And so as we have been talking, obviously, me coming from the family office world and, you know, in some of our conversations offline, and, you know, I've talked about this emergence of the family office and how they are trying to kind of proactively get into the space. It is difficult for many of them because the idea of custody has been the one that's really stymied them. The idea of self-custody has not been incredibly relaxing to them because putting a million dollars, $5 million, $10 million, whatever it may be onto a USB stick and having to remember a 24 word seed phrase and then putting that into a vault or some other kind of capacity is not necessarily something that they are accustomed to. They are accustomed to, you know, the state streets, the fidelities of the world. They're accustomed to just kind of having someone else take care of it. So tell us, you know, in terms of the institutional clients that you guys are seeing on Binance US, kind of tell us a little bit about what they're talking to you guys about. Are they comfortable with the idea of custody? Where, why are they coming to you? And what kind of things can you tell us? What kind of trends can you share with us? I, uh, I often equate this dilemma to, to the same one of valet service. So 
if you are, uh, you know, regardless of the model of car you're driving, it, it is your, you know, it is your property and, and one that you're oftentimes prideful of. Uh, and when you come up to park your car at a, at a, you know, a certain establishment, it may be the easier path to valet that car. Uh, therefore, giving your keys, physical keys over to someone to handle the, you know, the parking and retrieval of your vehicle. Um, oftentimes, that might be a scary uh, you know, scary thing to to be able to do, um, but the burden of driving and parking your car and retrieving it on your own is equally burdensome, possibly um, you know, possibly an annoyance uh, in the whole process that you're trying to go through. So, in the same element where we face uh, self custody, kind of being the uh, self parking and uh, you know using an exchange or using another custodial agent as a valet service, there are some things that come with that convenience. Mm. And so it is up to us to make sure that the convenience that we offer is not sacrificing the security uh, or the stability of our offering. So that, that, that to us is super important that although we're going to be providing a service of, you know, managing uh, your, your balances, we're not doing so at, at the expense of uh, the, you know, the security just for sake of convenience. So that's how I think about it. And, and oftentimes it does come down to the point that, um, you know, giving your keys up to, to give it to the valet does help the ease of use, does help you to be, feel more comfortable, does have you a point person that you can go and contact when you have a question or a concern. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really where it comes down to. Is it is it worth your time to go and park your car by yourself or, or would you just prefer to give it to someone, making sure that that person is, you know, both trusted and secure and right. um, industry grade? Interesting. And if you uh, if anyone has remembered the movie from the late 80s and 90s Ferris Bueller's Day Off, when they give the keys of the Ferrari to the valet, the Ferrari then is taken for a massive joyride. So... Truth be told, you know, obviously, in Catherine's point, sometimes the valet is not always the best person to give the keys to. But, but uh, if I'm in charge of hiring who that valet is, you, I, can, I can guarantee that I'm going to make sure that we're not taking your your uh, your car for a drive. Yeah, it is uh, it is going safely parked to where it was expected to, and um, it would require a ton of more licenses in the U.S. if we were going to be uh, <laughs> using users' funds for other things. Right. So no no joy rides in the Ferrari, you know. No joy rides. The only things we will offer if you deposit certain coins is uh, delegation of staking rewards. So that would be uh, that would be allowing you to park uh, your deposits of Algo or Atom uh, into a pool, and therefore the pool would be gaining uh, the rewards that would be necessary to deposit uh, proof of stake. And that is more of a trend over the last six months too. Yeah, that, I, I think that's been a use case that possibly is getting more attention from the institutional eye as well, realizing that there is this ability to gain rewards on deposits, um, which creates a you know an alternative mechanism to timing the market, um, which is always difficult. Definitely. So let's switch gears. As I mentioned, Catherine is a special person because in the world of digital assets, we need more women in positions of power. I have tried with my conferences over the last year and a half or two to ensure that there would be equal representation of women on on the daises because in my opinion, the way that we think, you know, between men and women is very special. There are reasons why we should always collaborate because, you know, just instinctively we think differently and there are alpha to be generated there. There are really good things to be generated there. And so, you know, it's International Women's Month. 
as for hopefully there are women that are listening to the show, especially, you know, people who are investing for family offices and other institutional investors, what advice do you have for women looking to get into digital assets, either as investors or builders? Awesome question. I mean, I, I, I give so much credit to the women that were ahead of me in Wall Street that let me realize that, um, you know, there is a meritocracy that comes with trading and, and that does allow for an equal effect to take place. Um, for the tenacious and you know those that persevere, and I say the same thing in digital assets. The, you know the choices are, uh, you know the access is equal, and it comes down to the education and the action is a choice of of the of the user. So really, do not be afraid to learn more, to educate yourself, to be ready to um, find the ways to take opportunities in this and freedom is yours. So there should be nothing blocking us in, in digital assets, whether it is the education, all of that can be found online. None of us were, you know, 500 year old, uh, experts in this industry. It all came apart during our lives. So I think that's one of the fascinating things that all of us have an equal shot at, at learning this market, um, really devoting ourselves to, to understanding what, what it takes to, um, and understand each each of these components, and that is all up to to us. So seize the day. And just to those that are listening, there are some fantastic uh, kind of organizations out there that are trying to address this issue. Uh, she two fifty six is one that I'm actually a part of. I'm a mentor to that, and I recommend people that are either in digital assets or outside of it who want to help women really get a foothold into this space to take a look at She256. Um, great, great organization and uh, really credit them. So I totally okay. echo that. I think there's a, a huge component about finding, I, call, I always call it finding your tribe, um, you know, finding a select group of, of women and men supporters uh, that can help you get to where you want to go. People are always willing to help if you provide them the outline of your goals. So don't be afraid to be assertive. I agree. And as the state of the state of women in digital assets, I'm not asking you to opine about the overall state, but as a leader in the space, what can you share? Do you, why do you think, you know, I, I would say that it has been a more male dominated space right now. And this is not virtual signaling. So for anyone who wants to talk to me about virtual signaling, you can do that offline. Happy to, but there is a, there is a situation here and we do need to get more women into the space because it is important. Um, but as you know, the kind of the experience that you've had as a woman leader in crypto, what can you share? Is it been, has it been easier than traditional finance? I'll put it, I'll put it in this respect. When, when I was, asked to, to kind of grow and build out Binance US, the, the opportunity to build a platform that represented exactly what America looked like currently was really the opportunity that I, I took. So being able to fill my team with the voices and perspectives that are truly reflected currently in our market were how I knew that we could cater to a, a better customer case. So whether that is bringing in, uh, you know, a strong, strong group of, of women to be um, some of our thought leaders inside of our space, as well as, you know, f you know, first generation Americans or, or further out generation Americans, this is a, this is an opportunity for us to truly reflect a new industry in our current environment, rather than partaking in a, a past, um, you know, a past reflection of, of what once was. I think it's always interesting when when things look more like our our founding fathers rather than our current, um, you know, our currently American landscape. So that's really where the opportunity for me was the greatest, and it is 
empowering to be able to select people that do deserve chances of a lifetime to define what this means. And I think not giving up on on that diversity or, or perception, uh, perspective uh, differences is something that we really need to amplify. So for mm-hmm. us, for us, we have a great core team or about, you know, 10 folks, almost a dozen soon. Um, we come from all parts of background of industry, all parts of background of where we came from, how we got here. Um, and that really just allows us to make sure that we're taking in all perspectives when we make our decisions and therefore hopefully reach a larger audience uh, rather than one that just looks at it and says, you know, that that looks like one type of person. <laughs> and I have to say that obviously we started to see a trend about three months ago where people, especially investors, the USVs of the world, the Sequoias of the world started to look at climate much more deeply. And it, it involves an overall thematic of ESG, of environmental, social, and governance. And I think that this is really an important uh, element of that is that we need to obviously make sure that we have equal distribution of people that can obviously climb the ladder and grow and create, you know, significant wealth for themselves. I think it's really important and we need to get those opportunities open to more people and to more of a inclusive uh, part of society. So I credit you guys for doing that and love hearing that. And I think a lot of family offices will love hearing that too, because it has been something that many of them have been taking a sincere look at over the last few years. And we saw, especially with BlackRock, if I'm not mistaken, I think Goldman Sachs also said that they are going to take a hard line stance that if any companies are coming public or they're going to try to come public, they better damn well have, you know, inclusive boards. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think that's less of frosting and more needs to be in the cake batter. So it's <laughs> uh, it's something that we have at our core. And yeah. um, without it, you know, it'd be really hard to make sure that what we're building is going to be in- encompassing the the size that we really do think crypto can affect mm-hmm. um, in terms of the market. And that to us is critical. Yep. So the things that we also like to do with the guests before they go, and hopefully you're okay with this. Um, perhaps we didn't necessarily prepare for this, but I think you're you're fairly well inept on answering how to do this. And I think you've probably listened to the show once or twice before, I hope. Um, I like to find out what people are kind of doing aside from their day-to-day in terms of two things, reading. Hopefully you get to read a little bit. Hopefully it's not all you know digital assets, crypto, blockchain related. And hopefully it's not all regulatory stuff for Binance because I know that keeps you very busy. Um, but anything that you've read recently, whether it's a medium article or a book, anything that you've been, you know, taking on a plane, by the way, Catherine was also at the NBA all-star week. And, uh, if you haven't caught that, um, she had lots of great pictures and lots of fun there. And so I know you travel, I know you travel, so I'm sure you're reading when you're traveling on a plane. So anything that you've read recently, and then any music that you like. And I could probably figure that out by the music that you were dancing to at the All-Star Camp, but I'm not going to say yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I'm almost like the reverse. I, I, when I should be sleeping, I'm reading. And when I'm flying, I'm sleeping. So <laughs> a little, little bit of the reverse, but, um, no, things that I, I've really been less reading, more consuming and understanding. There's a couple, a couple of good blogs on this, but understanding how the next wave of communication is taking place, hmm. um, where, 
when I was in school, people were just beginning to go into, you know, blogs and Tumblr and, and beginning as that as the, the new language of communicating. Um, when I graduated, people were moving into Instagram and doing more visuals. Mm-hmm. Um, Twitter had always been kind of a part of it, but it went from the 140 characters, um, you know, to doubling. So how are we changing the means of communication and what is that taking place? What is getting to be most effective? So understanding this new wave of, you know, the six second celebrity, um, whether it's through TikTok or Byte um, or, you know, Coil, um, understanding those mechanisms is really something I think is going to be useful for us to figure out how we can bring more people into um, a market and how they're going to be trying to monetize this as their future. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's really what I've been digging into. Uh, find I find very fascinating because I think it's going to be critical to how we communicate properly to the next generation of wealth managers. I like that. And the music I listen to, um, I'm... I'm terrible. Uh, huge, fa- huge fan of jock jams. Um, so I've got, you know, volumes one through five, I think. Uh-huh. Um, big, big diehard fan of, of just solid jock jams as well uh-huh. as um, any ACDC. Um, okay. That's really my core um, music that gets me up and out of bed. But, okay. um, you know, the music to me is something that keeps uh, all universally people interested. I think the same about crypto. I think the same about dance. Uh, so if you can have, you know, sports, music, and crypto, those three, so those three things are universal and mm-hmm. I think we should celebrate them more. I agree. And as I've said before, and one of the reasons why I ask the question on the show is because music is universal. We all have music in every single culture all around the world. We all listen to music. And so it is a universal tie and I agree with that. So love that. What are you listening to these days? Oh boy. What am I listening to these days? Um, well, I'm always been a fan of early electronic music. Um, so as people know, I was a DJ back in the day. Um, and so I happened to be listening to a lot of more uh, kind of early trance music, which was called Goa. Um, it's a little more meditative. It's easier um, to kind of... Yeah, ambient ambient trance, yeah. Ambient, exactly. A um, little cruder in Dorfmeister. Um, and then you, like you, I also, when I'm trying to work out uh, and trying to be a little bit more active, um, definitely like the Led Zeppelins of the world, the Queens of the world, ACDC is definitely on rotation. So it's a, it's a solid workout music, even if you're not working out, (laughs) you're like, I feel like I'm burning calories, even if my ears are just bleeding. (laughs) But, uh, no, also the swing trance I like as well, like Perov Stellar, good Mm. stuff there. Very good stuff. We will have to, you know, share Spotify uh, uh, lists eventually after this. The last thing that we like to do on the show is where can people find out more about Binance US? Where can they get involved? And if they really love what you guys are doing there, how can they, you know, obviously learn more? Absolutely. You can directly follow me at Crypto Coley on Twitter. You can follow our company by, at Binance America. Um, you can follow us on our Telegram. We have a community channel that's run by our Binance Angels. Um, we do AMAs there all the time after, quote unquote, after hours. Of course, the markets in crypto have no hours. So we uh, we do them in the evening so that people can listen and chime into them after uh, normal working hours. And, uh, and then the other ways... Um, you know, we've got our blog on our website, Binance.us. Uh, you can download the app on iOS and Android as well. So 
really looking awesome. forward to it. We've got some great uh, things coming out, whether it's a you know our easy one click buy sell way or our more more uh, advanced markets uh, to leave orders. So really looking forward to bringing in all types of users, whether it is your first time buying a portion of Bitcoin or you are trying to liquidate with a reasonable fee (laughs) rate. So uh, come on then. There you go. This was Catherine Coley, CEO of Binance US. And if you haven't gotten to meet her, she is full of energy. She has really re-energized the entire digital asset space for the last year and a half or so since she's come up on. Uh, she is a pleasure to get to know. And so definitely check them out. They are doing some amazing things. And I love the idea and the conversation that we had around inclusion. So check them out and reach out to Catherine. And hopefully we'll have you back on again in a few months and see how things are going. Thanks. Thank you so much. For more notes from this past episode about our guest, please go to www.ar.ca slash base layer. Nothing stated on this podcast should be taken as investment advice, which would require a thorough assessment of each investor's personal financial profile and risk tolerance. Statements regarding past performance are not necessarily indicative of future returns. If you like what you're listening to on base layer, let us know. Subscribe, give us a like, or hit us up on Twitter, Arca at Arca, or myself, David Nage at DavidJN79. Let us know, and we'd love to obviously hear from you. For additional resources to help sophisticated listeners like yourself learn about the digital asset space in the financial terms you understand, please visit www.ar.ca for articles, marketing commentary, videos, and more.